Balotelli. Aguero! Hey guys, and welcome back to the 50-50 podcast. Today I'm joined by my usual partner, Aiden Ferguson. Aiden, how are you doing today? Doing absolutely great. I think we have some amazing topics for today's episode, so make sure you guys listen all the way through, and yeah, can't wait to jump into it. Oh, I am buzzing, and let's just get straight into business here, Aiden. First off, yesterday, the Champions League groups were announced. I've got some of the groups to watch out for. Obviously, you've got Group B with the likes of Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk, shout out Ukraine, Inter Milan, and Borussia Mönchengladbach. Then you've got Group G with Juventus, Barcelona, Dinamo Kiev, and Ferran Kavros, a team from Hungary. You've got the likes of Messi versus Ronaldo, which perhaps isn't as hyped as it used to be, but nonetheless still a great matchup to watch for. And then obviously we've got your team, Manchester United, who's got a pretty tough group themselves. Group H, which is the likes of PSG, Manchester United, RB Leipzig, and Istanbul, Bashakir. Aiden, after looking at the groups yesterday, obviously it's very early. It's very hard to predict what will happen in this year's Champions League. But who do you believe are the favorites to win the Champions League this season? Okay, Bo, when you sent me this question, I was immediately like, it's hard to pick one favorite. So I picked three. I picked three teams that I believe could all have a realistic shot at winning the Champions League this year. And I have, I have questions for each team to answer, and we'll see that in the group stage. But first off, I'm going to start off with Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich, of course, won the Champions League last year. Such a good team. However, my question for them is their depth, right? They're a team that had really good players, but had the likes of Thiago leave and, and others step away from the club, also Coutinho as well. So depth-wise, they're not as strong as they used to be. And with so many games being played in such a short time period, that could come to hurt them. My next team... Liverpool, right? Liverpool, absolutely class. We've seen in the Premier League just recently against Arsenal. Such a good team. They added the likes of Thiago to their side and Jota as well. So they've actually filled out their side a little more. They've added some depth. But in my opinion, they've struggled when they've had to focus on multiple competitions. So we've got to see if they can take that next step this year and actually be able to to do well in multiple areas. They just recently got knocked out of the EFL Cup. Obviously, a lot smaller, a lot lower stakes. But then again, having trouble focusing in multiple areas. And then finally, we have PSG. And PSG are a great side. We saw them make it to the finals of the Champions League last year. And my major question for them is, can they can they prevent injuries this season? Because it seems like every season, it's either Mbappe or Neymar that is getting hurt. And whether they can stay healthy, I think, will be a big determinant in how well they do in the Champions League this year. Well, that fo- folks, if, if there's ever a statement that defined Aiden Ferguson's punditry career, it was that right there. Given three teams to win the Champions League, that is borderline blasphemous, Aiden. Listen, I'm going to give you one team who I believe are the straight favorites to win this year. And I want to acknowledge, I think all three of your picks, if, if there's going to be a winner of the Champions League, which there will be, it will be from one of your three picks. So very well done with those picks. But I believe... The clear, clear favorites are Liverpool this season. Obviously, last year they were in great form before that that hiccup against Atletico Madrid. And let's not forget, that game against Atletico Madrid happens one out of every ten times. The other nine times, Liverpool are easily winning that game with the amount of possession they had, the amount of shots on target they had. It was definitely a hiccup. And, and obviously, full credit to Atletico Madrid knocked out 
former champions Liverpool. But nonetheless, Liverpool were so dominant last season, and it looks like they've picked up right where they left off. I mean, that win against Arsenal, I have not seen as convincing a win. And, and let's not forget, it is an Arsenal team that are still rebuilding and still in a rebuilding process, something we will discuss a little later in the podcast. But nonetheless, that was a top, top Liverpool performance. And let's not forget, they didn't even have Thiago playing, who perhaps is the best midfielder in that Liverpool team. I just think Liverpool have to be clear favourites this season. Obviously, their group, they've got a pretty easy group with the likes of Ajax, Atlanta, and Michland. I mean, Ajax and Atlanta could offer them some problems, but, but Liverpool are definitely clear favourites to go through in that group. I just think... With Liverpool are the most solid defensively, not only in the Premier League, but I think in Europe. I think when you, you mentioned the likes of PSG, you mentioned the likes of Bayern Munich, those teams, there are question marks surrounding their defense. Obviously, Bayern lost 4-1 in the Bundesliga, potentially a hiccup game, but nonetheless lost 4-1 in the Bundesliga. And I think last season in Champions League games, they were exploited a little bit on the counterattack, which is something Liverpool are so good at doing. So if it comes down to a game between Liverpool and Bayern Munich, I just think Liverpool have the edge. I just think, for me, and, and this is probably going to become a constant theme of this podcast, I just think Liverpool are the, the pinnacle football team in world football right now. So I think Liverpool are clear favourites to win the Champions League this season. Bo, can I add to that quickly? I do have to say, if I had to choose one team on this list... I would go with Liverpool as well. And I, I agree with you. I think right now they're the most well-rounded team. They're the team probably in the best of form. I think Bayern, we've really seen them get exposed with regards to lack of depth recently because they've played so many games in such a short period, and that obviously hurt them against, I believe it was, yeah, when they lost 4-1 to Hoffenheim, that clearly hurt them in that match. Um, so unless they have that winter transfer window where they go out and get a few players to add uh, some depth, which I think they could. And we're looking at it right now. I do agree. Liverpool is the team to go for in terms of favorites to win the Champions League. Now, it's very interesting to note that of the teams we've talked about to win the Champions League, none of them were Manchester City. Now, obviously, they've had a rough start to the season with that 5-2 loss against Leicester last, last week in the Premier League. Aiden, do you think this Manchester City team is in need of a rebuild? Or are they going to pick up where they left off and potentially make a run for the Champions League and the Premier League? Okay, Bo, for me, I would say this Manchester City team does not need a rebuild, and here is why. This Manchester City side is very good going forward. We saw it in the first half against Leicester. They're expansive. They can possess very well. Going forward, I'd say they're arguably just as good as they were before, especially considering they didn't have Aguero or Jesus, so they didn't have a true striker available for the match. With regards to the defense, we've known that's an issue, but you're telling me that in the winter transfer window or still in this transfer window that's currently open, if they go get a center back and a left back, you don't think they could fix that defense? I think they very well could. I think it takes two to three players to fix this Man City size as opposed to rebuilding and reconstructing the entire team. That's a very interesting take because obviously they've gone out this week and they've gotten Ruben Diaz from, from Benfica for, for I think over 40 million pounds. And, and I saw something this morning. That means Manchester City have now spent over 400 million pounds in Pep Guardiola's reign on defenders alone. And I think to me, this is just crazy because he spent 400 million pounds on defenders You'd expect at least a decent defense, but that Manchester City team are so flawed at the back. They still haven't replaced Vincent Kompany, who who was huge, absolutely huge for that defense, as in terms of being a leader and in terms of being a center back who who rarely made mistakes 
and and was and was very solid at the back. I just don't think this Manchester City team can win the Premier League or the Champions League unless they make some serious change in the team, specifically in that defense. Do we really think Nathan Ake and Ruben Diaz are, are, are the answers to Manchester City problem? I mean, they conceded five goals against Leicester. And obviously, yes, they didn't have Laporte, but, but I just, for me, I don't feel like Nathan Ake or Ruben Diaz are the answers to their problem. And, and like you mentioned earlier, they still haven't figured out the left-back situation. Mendy is still playing every game, and, and let's be honest, Mendy is a very questionable, questionable defender. He's good going forward, but he's questionable the other way. And I think with when you look at players, when you look at the players like Kyle Walker, Benjamin Mendy, even Fernandinho is kind of getting to the end of his career, plus maybe even Aguero, who, who, let's face it, is reaching the later stages of his career. Those were four players who were huge when Manchester City won the Premier League. They were huge for them. I mean, excluding Mendy, but, but Walker, Fernandinho, Aguero were, were the, senior, the senior players in that side that won, that won the, the, the Premier League. And, and let's face it, those players are in the declining stages of their career. And so unless Manchester City makes some serious change in the next few days of this window, I just can't see them competing in either the Premier League or the Champions League. So I believe they are in need of a full rebuild. For me, Bo, I think you make some great points, but what I would add to it is I think the way City have gone about recruiting defenders is wrong. So City want to play this open, expansive style, and of course they're going to get center backs that are good on the ball. The issue that I saw against Leicester and that's been apparent throughout the last year with City is because they're so good in possession. They can push teams back into a low block, and they can be expansive and open the field and spread it open. But then when the other teams win the ball, they're poor in transition and counterattacking wise, they put themselves defensively and 3v2s and 2v1s isolating their own center backs and these center backs are solid defenders but they're not exceptional and I think that's where they struggle these these are center backs that are known for being good on the ball not necessarily known for being the best one-on-one defenders and I think that's why they often get exposed is because they put themselves in numbers down situations so then maybe it's not even a personnel problem. Maybe this is a problem from the very top in the sense that Pep Guardiola isn't setting up his Manchester City side to succeed. I think Pep Guardiola throughout his career, he's always played this brand of football, very high line, lots of possession based, but they've always been open to counterattacks. And that's the thing with Manchester City. Even when they won the title, they were open on the counterattack. And I think now that a few years down the line, teams have started to figure out how to set up against this Manchester City side. So maybe if we're talking in terms of a rebuild, do you believe it maybe needs to come from the very top and they need to find someone other than Pep Guardiola to coach this Manchester City side? It's hard for me to say, Bo, because as you know, I'm a massive fan of Pep Guardiola. I think he's one of, if not the best manager right now in the world the thing for Pep Guardiola is like you said he's not very adaptable he plays this style and he will not change the way he plays based on certain matches which is quite frustrating something we've seen Arteta do at Arsenal and be very successful doing I would still stick with Guardiola right now I don't think there's any manager out there that could really replace and do better than Guardiola has done and what he's currently doing so yes I would stick with Guardiola but if this continues on for two seasons more, I think you'd have to look to potentially replace him. 
Yeah, 100%. I think you're spot on there with your analysis. And obviously, you mentioned the likes of Mikel Arteta. So we're going to transition into our third question of the day. Obviously, Mikel Arteta has experienced a very successful season last year in his short time with Arsenal. They've done well at the beginning of this season. Obviously, a loss to Liverpool last week in the league was tough to take. But I think many Arsenal fans will say we were pretty proud of the way Arsenal played that game. Aiden, what do you believe are the expectations for Mikel Arteta's Arsenal this season? All right, Bo. My expectations for Mikel Arteta's Arsenal are to qualify for the Champions League. And I have left that quite open-ended. I'm not saying they have to finish in the top four or specifically win the Europa League, just one or the other. I think that's the important part is just qualifying for the Champions League because once you do that, you get more funding. They'll be able to spend more in the summer transfer window next year and they'll attract bigger name players. So I think that's the most important thing for Mikel Arteta's arsenal, allowing him to then bring in the players that he wants to, because right now they're linked to the Partes of the world, the Awars of the world, but they can't make it happen financially. And such a big part of that is qualifying for the Champions League, getting more money in the door, so then you can reinvest it back into the football club. Yeah, very well said, very well said. And, And I agree in the sense that I think... I like I often like to compare when I'm talking about this Arsenal team, a team very close to my my heart, that I like to compare this this Arteta's Arsenal to, to Klopp's Liverpool at the start of their reign. I think when Klopp first took over Liverpool, they were a shambles in the sense that that the personnel did not fit Klopp's expectation. I think the way they played didn't necessarily fit the, the personnel they had at the club. And and I think even despite all this, Klopp was, was pretty successful when he first took over Liverpool, hence the reason he was, he was given the money to rebuild, he was given the resources to, to, to take this Liverpool team to where they are right now. So I very much, I like to compare what Arteta has done at Arsenal to what Klopp has done at Liverpool at the very beginning. I think he's changed the culture at the club. He, he's turned us, as, as Klopp would say, from doubters into believers. And, and I think just like when I, when I look at Klopp's second season at Liverpool, he was able to take that team to the Champions League. They finished fourth that season, qualified for the Champions League, and obviously then the next year they, they went on to go to the finals. And so for me, I think this Arteta team, the, the goal has to be to qualify for the Champions League. And there's two ways of doing that. I think they're obviously they're in the Europa League. The groups came out this morning, our time. They've got Dundalk, the Irish team, Rapid Vienna of Austria and Molde from Norway. I think that's a very easy group. And, and obviously it's very hard to predict the Europa League because you can't predict it until the Champions League get relegated. The Champions League teams get relegated back into the Europa League. So, so it's very hard to predict. But I would say at the moment with the teams in the league, Arsenal have to be clear favorites to win the Europa League. And so for me, either way, I'm happy as long as Arsenal secure Champions League football for next season. Because like you said, that's where Arsenal Football Club needs to be. And and in terms of, of funds, in terms of funding transfers, we need that Champions League TV money to be able to go and buy the likes of Thomas Partey, Hasim Orbar, and so on and so on. So I think you got a spot on there. Champions League football is a must for Arsenal Football Club. Whether they do it through the Europa League or through top four in the Premier League, I don't really mind. Either will make me happy. Yeah, and I think, like you said, was it was absolutely spot on everything you said there. I mean, with regards to Arteta, at some point, he's going to need to be able to bring some players in, right? He's doing a great job with what he has right now, but that can only last for so long before he doesn't get a response from the players in the locker room, and realistically, Arsenal began to hit a bit of a 
a rough patch. So you need to get fresh faces in the door, start getting players that he wants at the club 100%. And I, I think everything you said was spot on. They've got to finish in the top four or win the Europa League this season and qualify for the Champions League if they want to have a real opportunity at moving forward and in the coming seasons compete for a Premier League title. Absolutely, absolutely. But hey, in Arteta we believe, in Arteta we believe. As an Arsenal fan, I'm very happy with the job the Spaniard has done, and I know I know he won't let us down this season. All right, moving on to an also relatively new face in the Premier League, Frank Lampard. Is he starting to come under a little pressure at Chelsea? What do you think, Aiden? I would say no, and there's a couple reasons for it, right? Chelsea spent boatloads of money this summer. Boatloads of money. We joke around saying, you know what, they were playing career mode this summer, realistically. So I would say for me with regards to Lampard, I think he has a little time because of injuries, right? Pulisic's been out. Ziyech's been out. Um, uh, Thiago Silva was out for a little while. And so was Ben Chilwell. So I think that's bought him a little time on top of the fact that he he has so many new players. It's going to take it a little adjustment period. So I think realistically, Frank Lampard will be given a pass by the majority of Chelsea fans, the majority of reasonable Chelsea fans until the winter. And at that point, if Chelsea are not starting to play better football, not starting to climb the table a bit, I think at that point he will start to be under a lot of pressure from Chelsea fans. But until then, I think he'll be given a little bit of a pass as long as they're starting to show progress week in and week out. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think also it's not just about appeasing the Chelsea fans, but it's about appeasing the man at the very top of Chelsea Football Club, the man, the myth, I won't say it, but Roman Abramovich, the Russian oligarch owner who, who is notorious for his his short patience in t- when it comes to Chelsea managers. But obviously him and Frank Lampard have a very good relationship from Frank's time as playing as a, as a player at Chelsea. And, and I just think... Here's the thing with, with, with Frank Lampard's Chelsea. I thought last year he surpassed all expectations. He got them into the Champions League football. He brought through a bunch of academy graduates into the first team. I think he, he did very well in his first season at Chelsea last year. But let's not forget, he was under no pressure whatsoever last season to perform. I think if Chelsea hadn't even made the Champions League, people would have been content with his first season just because of what he was able to do in his short little time with no spending whatsoever because obviously the transfer ban was in place for Chelsea. Now, however, it's a totally different narrative. Like you said, Chelsea, they've been playing some career mode type football this this transfer window. They brought in over 200 million pounds worth of players and now all of a sudden expectations have changed. I don't think Chelsea fans truly believe they can win the Premier League, but they want to see silverware, and they want that silverware bad. Obviously, Chelsea were knocked out in the Carabao Cup this week this week by Spurs, but but obviously they still got the FA Cup, they still got the Champions League and the Premier League to compete for. And and while I don't think they're 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 going to be anywhere near the Champions League or Premier League, I think silverware is so important because, like we saw with Arsenal last season, when Mikel Arteta was able to bring in the FA Cup. It just changed the mood. It changed the, the feeling around the club. One little FA Cup, and all of a sudden, we're starting to feel like we're doing something here. And I think that's the, the same can be said for Frank Lampard's Chelsea. And adding to that, Bo, something that I think is really important to talk about is last season, Chelsea were, what, like 30 points off of Liverpool? I think a big part of it for Chelsea fans will be seeing that gap start to close. right? If Chelsea are 30 points off the league winners again this season, I think... 
that's going to send bad signals to Chelsea fans, and I think they will be very, very frustrated, potentially seeing him getting sacked. But if you can start to tighten that gap to say, let's say Chelsea finish 10, even 15 points off of Liverpool and Man City, then I think at that point we can realistically talk about Frank Lampard improving this Chelsea side and then maybe even competing for the Premier League title the following season. Yeah, definitely. And they're still a very, very young side. I mean, I know a lot of the academy graduates aren't playing as much anymore because they brought in the likes of Havertz, Werner, Ziyech. But let's not forget, these are all very young players who are still in the the developmental stages of their career. So I think, obviously, this Chelsea team is built to compete for the future. But I do agree in the sense that I think Chelsea Chelsea fans will want to see their team a little more competitive this season with the type of money they've spent. Yeah, 100%. I, I do agree with you on that. Um, they are very young, and it's hard, to, it's hard to remember that at all times because we have such high expectations, and the young players that they do have are, are so talented and already breaking into the international squads out there. So I think it's hard to, to remember how young they are, um, but I think part of the thing with youth, right, is you want to see the development, and as long as the players are continuing to develop under Frank Lampard and Chelsea are getting better and better results each week, I think Chelsea fans should be happy and not expecting too much until the winter. All right, Bo, I'm going to take us into our final topic now. It's, a, it's an audience question from none other than natural underscore red underscore LFC who asked, uh, will the top four race be the closest it's ever been? And Bo, before I, I, I hand this over to you, I'm going to bring up the two seasons that have where the top four race has been the closest. That The first season, the 1996-1997 season, where the spread between the first and fourth place clubs were seven points, and then also the 2013 2014 season where the spread again was just seven points so Bo do you think that spread will be just as tight this season or even tighter or do you think it'll be a little more open between the the first and fourth place club so here's my thing if if we're talking about top four which which I assume on based on the question we are I'm going to take out that top two spots of the of, of Manchester City and Liverpool because I just think they're going to be miles likely like they were last season they're still going to be miles ahead of, of these other teams I think Liverpool especially I think they're going to win the title quite comfortably this season um, but obviously I've, I've talked a lot about Liverpool already if we're talking about three four five six seven those spots for top four I think they're going to be incredibly tight just like they were last season I think it could potentially come down to the very last game of the season like it did last year I think when you have the likes of Chelsea Manchester United Arsenal are going to be way more competitive this season. Tottenham are going to be way more competitive this season. And even sleep, and don't sleep on Wolves. I know they had a tough loss last week to West Ham, but I've come on here before and said Wolves are a top four team, and I will stand by that statement. I think if you include all five of those teams, they're going to be very, very close with each other when it comes to the end of the season, and it is going to be an incredibly tight top four race. And who knows which team will prevail or should I say, sorry, excuse me, which teams will prevail and make that top four? Yeah, I agree with you. With regards to the first and fourth place, the, the spread between those teams, I think it will be a larger gap than those those closest seasons. Um, because I just think Liverpool are just head and shoulders above every team currently, and even Man City are, are quite a good ways in front of Chelsea, uh, Arsenal, United, Everton, Wolves, all those teams that you mentioned. I think there's even a, a decent gap between them and City still. Um, but with regards to the third, fourth, 
fifth and sixth position. I, I do agree with your statement on that 100%. I think it'll likely come down to the last game of the season because there's so many questions regarding each of these clubs, right? Wolves, they just recently had a hiccup, and I would argue their back line, their back three, is not that great. Everton, this is their first season. We've only seen them play three games with their, their current squad under Ancelotti. So you, you never know what can happen as the season develops. You have United, whose defense is shocking. But then you don't know if they, they, they will go get Jaden Sancho or something crazy like that. You've got Arsenal, who are looking really good in great form. And in my opinion, currently the best out of these sides. And then you have Tottenham Hotspur under Jose Mourinho, who has Gareth Bale coming in in a few weeks. So I think it's all up in the air. And I, I, I do agree that it will be a very, very tight race this season. Yeah, I just want to give a quick a quick shout out to Spurs who have had probably the toughest fixture lists we have seen in years in years past. I think obviously as an Arsenal fan, I don't I don't actively support Spurs. I don't actively follow Spurs, but at the same time, we must acknowledge how well they've done considering the fact that week in and week out they've been playing games on a Tuesday, on a Thursday, and then on a Sunday. This is absolutely craziness considering the fact players had like barely four to five weeks of summer break this season so I think I think there's a lot to come from this Spurs team obviously you mentioned the likes of Gareth Bale coming back into the squad I think Sergio Reglione was very very good in his debut against Chelsea in the cup I think I think at this current moment in time it looks like I think I would say either Spurs Chelsea and Arsenal are the favorites for that top four spot with United and Wolves just a little bit below them. So, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a very tight race. And, and I think it's almost going to be it's going to be the race to watch come the end of the season because I just think Liverpool are miles ahead of everyone else. And the title will, like it was last year, be secured way before the end of the season comes along. All right, Bo, I quickly want to ask you about Everton because I am, I've been a really big fan of this Everton team and what they've been able to achieve in their first few games. Hamas Rodriguez, I mean, he's absolutely brilliant. They actually have a decent midfield now, something they lacked last season. They have Gomez, Alon, and Decore, which I think is just really solid. And Ancelotti, tactically, I think is a great manager. You can see Everton against the bigger clubs. They'll defend in banks of four or, or, or a bank of four and a bank of five. But then against the, some of the smaller clubs, they can move the ball ping the ball around, create loads of chances. Uh, they have Calvert-Lewin and Richarlson up top. That said, Richarlson did just suffer an injury, so I don't know when he will be back. But I think overall, this Everton team is built for success this season. What do you think about this Everton squad, and, and how realistic do you think the chances of them finishing the top four are? I don't, think, I don't think they have realistic chances at the top four, and that's just based on my my perception of what Everton has been before and what I believe they are continuing to do now. I think Ancelotti, like you mentioned, he is a world-class coach. People could make the argument that he is actually the best manager in the Premier League resume-wise. At the same time, though, this Everton team still has a lot of problems in terms of their squad. Obviously, Calvert-Ewan, he's got it off to a great start of the season. But can he maintain that consistency where he's having a 20 goal, like a, a season with like almost 20 or more goals? I don't know. He's, he's had moments in the past where he's had similar spells of great, great form, and then he's dropped off. So there, there are questions around him and whether or not he can maintain that form. I hope for his sake he can, and I hope for Everton's sake he can. That as well, going along with that, I think their defense is is not, is still questionable. I think I think they've they've um, obviously they kept a clean sheet in their first game against Spurs, but in the last two games they've conceded goals. Yerry Mina, Michael Keane, 
um, Seamus Coleman, Lucas Digne, obviously all good players, but are they good enough to, to, to solidify a place at the top four? Who knows? And I think there are big question marks around the goalkeeper. I know, I know goalkeeper isn't a position that necessarily decides top four races, but, but a good goalkeeper can, can win games for you. And, and they say, there's a famous quote that says, a good goalkeeper can win you around 12 to 14 points a season. And, and there are huge question marks around Jordan Pickford. So, so if he's going to have an inconsistent season like he did last year, I just can't see this Everton team making the top four, let alone competing for it. That being said, I do think that some of the points you mentioned, this is the best Everton midfield we've seen in years. And, and up front, they've got quality with the likes of Richarlison, James Rodriguez, and obviously Calvert-Ewan has to be put in that group just based on the fact of how well he started the season. But my thing with Everton is consistency. Can they maintain this start and continue to build on it? Obviously, they haven't had the toughest of starts either. They've played Spurs in the first game, which was a tough game. They came out on top, fair play there. But then they've played West Brom and then Crystal Palace. And I just don't think that's not necessarily the toughest starts of the season. They have Brighton coming up next. Again, not 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 really a game that's gonna that's gonna really prove this Everton side our top four team but then the next week they've got Liverpool and then a few weeks down the line they've got United then a few weeks later they've got Chelsea Arsenal Manchester City all in the span of of five game weeks and and those will be the times where we can really see what this Everton side are made of can they legitimately compete with a top four contenders or are they are they just a team that are maybe perhaps building towards that that type of that type of title all right, Bo, I think that's a perfect place to end this one. To everyone out there listening, we do really appreciate it. So thank you. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at the 5050footballpodcast to share your audience questions that we will answer in the coming weeks. So go subscribe to our YouTube channels, Fergie Time Podcast and Inside Arsenal, some of the best content on YouTube. Going to big ourselves up for that. And, yeah, um, thank you, guys, and take it easy. Peace. I see the blue in her eyes from the sunshine See the purple in her heart when it's nighttime She just wanna be in her right mind She couldn't give a